welcome to the Biohacker's Guide for Women Only. You are listening to The Art of Becoming Wonder Woman. I am Jessica Fernandez-Cruz. And I am Yen B. Trung. Life extension, longevity, biotech, digital health technology, and prevention are all the fields of health that we've been working in for over 15 years. We've worked alongside world-renowned physicians, Nobel laureates, experts, and top biohackers. We were at the forefront of a lot of the science that is being used today for biohacking. Our mission is to bring to you all this knowledge and information and create a biohacking community for women. Join us today on our journey into biohacking our bodies. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hello, Wonder Woman. Welcome back to our Wonder Woman Conversations. Yummy, good to see you again. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Jessica? I'm doing great. As always, excited to talk to you and have a wonderful conversation that I'm sure will be inspiring for myself and I hope for our audience as well. I wanted to share a really quick story before uh, we get into today's talk. I just had a, an amazing conference call. It was a video conference with an organization that I'm a part of. It's called the Venture Mentoring Team. And we're an organization of about 130 mentors to help mentor uh, startups and entrepreneurship. And as part of the mentoring team, we had an amazing entrepreneur on there. Her name is Hilda Miller. And for our audience, I don't know if anybody knows who she is, but she invented the sports bra. And she was just inducted into the Inventors International Inventors Hall of Fame. And the Smithsonian also took all the stuff, all like the archive stuff that she had, and they made an area for her. And so just listening to her story as a, a female entrepreneur and inventor and, and her journey through the whole process was absolutely amazing. That's why I was rushing to, to jump on this call with you and the podcast because I, I couldn't get off. You know, we, we went over time with that that call, but it was just so inspiring to listen to, to know an individual that really shifted how women's athletics grew. And, and her purpose was, you know, we developed the sports bra because we didn't want women to be limited in their enjoyment of exercise. That's all it was. And it didn't matter what size you were, who you were, what age you were. We wanted all women to be able to enjoy exercising. And that, that was just her, her, her goal. And she, she took two jock straps and then sewed them together and called it the jog bra. And so that, that was just an, something I wanted to share, you know, from a recent call we just had a couple moments ago. But I think today's story is just a pivot from that. <laughs> well, we're talking about womanhood, right? In all its versions. We are. So it made me think when you were describing this story you know, how much we have evolved in such a short span of time. Like I'm thinking, you know, our grandmothers, maybe our grandmothers were already in the more modern, but right before that, you know, women had to exercise in skirts and wearing shoes. And it was like this crazy thing. Like a woman couldn't wear trousers. That was unacceptable. No pants for women. And how that has evolved into, you know, even thinking of underwear that women will need to exercise. And that's a great story. I mean, I, I hope we can get her to come and talk to us one day at this podcast. Hey, actually, that's that's a good point. I would love to to invite her on the podcast and have her share this, her story. So that would be amazing. So I'll, I'll, I'll try for that. Definitely. I'll reach out. 
I mean, she has the same aspirations I do with with the altruistic side of entrepreneurship, which is helping other companies and startups grow as well, because we know what the challenges and the, the rough patches are and just helping them, you know, maneuver through those obstacles. And so very, very inspiring. All right. So let's get into your story. I'm like super happy to talk about other people if you feel like, right? (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm very excited to talk about this. I think it's an important subject and it's cool to bring it up and share. And I'm happy to be able to share, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And well, you know, this comes up a lot and I think you and I have talked about it, you know, to a certain extent where it was a lot of pressure off of your chest when you did this. And so we'll, we'll go into what this is. But as part of biohacking, we think about that, right? It's, it is your womanhood, your uh, genetics, everything that involves who you are as a woman because of what we always had this quote-unquote biological clock, right? Although, you know, from my perspective, I've said this many times, is if you're in your 40s right now, you're you have the opportunity as an average to live to 100 years old because of all the science and technology, supplementations, nutrition, all the knowledge we have now to live that long as an average age group, right? So I think biologically as a female to have a child later on in life is will be available as well. And so I think you're venturing into that realm. Yes, 100%. Something that, why don't you just kind of share your story from where it started and what you're your thought process was and where your mind was and what this, what we're talking about is even to start off with. Yeah. (laughs) What are we talking about? (laughs) So I think it's very important to, to realize that first of all, I mean, what are we talking about? Well, I want to say probably we're talking about motherhood and what that represents for us since we're little girls. You know, I think since we're little girls, we're playing with dolls as if they are babies, right? So I feel there's also that cultural side where we've grown up with the idea that we are going to be moms eventually one day in our lives, right? And then, you know, we grow up, we start studying, we become different things and, and we forget that, you know, this is part of us as well. And I feel, and this is why I say the biological clock is so important here, that we don't pay attention to that biological clock until it's ticking. And then we say, oh my God the clock is ticking and I don't have a lot of time left here. Right. And then you come through this, you know, you go to this thought process where you're like, okay, what do I want to do? I need to make a decision. And these are the things that went through my mind. I'm not going to get into that story, but you know, four years ago, I had a bad relationship that felt for me like the relationship and ended up not being that. So I've been single ever since you know, forgot about the idea of being a mom or any of that for a while. But, you know, as you heal and you start becoming reconnected with yourself and, you know, excited about life, then you're like, do I really want to give up that idea of becoming a mom? So those, those have been the things that come and go. And then I think, well, let just nature do what it needs to do, you know, and then let God decide. And then you go back to say, hey, but I have a decision here. I can decide now, right? So anyway, to make a long story short, at, at one point, I sat with myself and I said, I need to decide because if I don't make a decision, this will keep coming back to my mind and it's just in my way. You know, I feel like this thought is constantly interfering with my life somehow. So it's trying to tell me something. And that's when I realized, see, the best thing I can do now, my, I am 38 years old. I'm turning 39 in June and 
I don't have a relationship right now. So I would have the option to consider being a single mom or just to give up the idea of becoming a mom. And then I thought, but there's an option in the middle, which is I can freeze my eggs. And with that, I give myself this break to stop thinking about this and at least know that there's always that option there. So last year, this is very funny how things happen in life. I decided to go and ask for information in a fertility clinic. And I had made the decision that in March, I would go and freeze my eggs. It was expensive. And, you know, when it's so expensive, you think, is it really worth it? There's so much money. I could use that money for something else. But then my thought process was, if I actually do use those eggs and I actually end up having a baby, it'll be very worth it. So let's do it. And I did. So I, in March, I have my first test. They have to do some blood tests to make sure that I'm healthy. And then COVID shows up. (laughs) And what happens with COVID? Well, I don't freeze my eggs because everything closes down. We go into lockdown. Everything stops. And then because I had made the decision, I was super relaxed about it this whole time until I finally froze my eggs. Because yes, I did freeze my eggs. That's the end of the story. But... (laughs) I was like, oh, I don't really care. Oh, I don't need to go to the clinic. Do I really want to expose myself to COVID for this? So that was the second thought process. (laughs) Is this really worth it? What if I get COVID? What if I give it to my mother? You know, all these things. And I think now, looking back, those were excuses. I was just giving myself excuses because I was a little scared of the process. And I thought it was going to be heavy that... It would stop me from being active and doing the things I want to do. So I was like, no, I'll do it next month or I'll do it next month. And I kept postponing it. So to make a long story short, I finally did do it this month. And if I learned a lesson from this that I cannot go back on is you need to do this as soon as you can, starting at 36 years old. So if you're 36, that's the best time to do it. But every year you wait is going to be more difficult to get the amount of ovocytes that you want to get to freeze. You know, I can't do anything about it now. <laughs> this is what it is. And I waited and it's fine. But, but you had success with the process and you're older than 36, right? And so what, what you're saying is 36 is the prime to have the most viable eggs. Is that right? You want to freeze healthy eggs. So of course, the younger you are, the healthier the eggs will be. But you also want to be able to release a larger amount of eggs. And that happens when you're younger. So at 36, this fertility process starts declining. It is really at that age when it starts getting more and more difficult. Even at 40, sometimes they say it's not even worth doing because of the quality of the eggs. So it's interesting like to really consider this if you're in another age range that you think you have time. You know, if I could tell myself when I was 36, like, just do it now and you get that done, you know, and it'll be fine. I would have probably said that. But nobody told me this. I, I'd never really had a conversation about this with anyone until now, recently, when it's, it's uh, something that I'm interested in. And so let, let's just discuss, because when you're in your early 30s, let's say 32, 33 or so, somebody told you at that age, hey, you should, if you're not in a relationship and you're not married, you know, what are your thoughts around motherhood, right? Having a child, because 
it's scary to even think about that at that age too, because your your bio you don't think about your biological clock until you're like, oh my gosh, it's gonna end at some point sooner than later, possibly, right? And so in your th- early 30s, you think you still have time. You think that, you know, you're going to be in this relationship. You think that you're going to have this whole life, but you just don't know how life is going to be, right? And so if if you're speaking to somebody in their early 30s right now, what would you say to them so that they they kind of look at this and have it in the mind, not to stress them out, of course, because, you know, at that age, you're like, why, why am I being stressed about this? I still have plenty of time. But what would be the consideration in their your early 30s if, you know, if you're not in a relationship or you're you're going through even a divorce, for example, with your first love? And that happens all the time, right? Where you could be in a in a relationship and then you go through a divorce and then you didn't have a child with your ex-husband, right? And so that that happens all the time. Um, and you're still in your 30s and then now you're in the world, you know, looking for in the world, you know, going on with a new life now. So how do we, how would you have that conversation? I mean, I wouldn't even have a conversation with her. For me, my lesson here is I'm talking from a European perspective because we have public health system. And for example, in Spain, you can go and do a fertility process inside the public health system. So they will finance it for you. But this is not financed by the public health system. And I think, huh, interesting. This is really something for me that is a shift. Fertility should not be a conversation when infertility is part of the game. For me, fertility should be a prevention strategy. And this today, because there's no other things that we can really do is the only way to prevent. So it is, you know, the best thing you can do to forget about it, because that way, you know, you get that out of the way, even, you know, if you're in your thirties, you don't want to be stressed about it. Well, that's really the reason why you should do it so that you take all that thought process out of your system and you can just put that there and keep going with your life. I had a friend who went through this infertility experience and she didn't figure it out until it was too late because she was 39. And if she had done this process earlier in her life at her 30s, 32, 33, she would have still been in time to, to freeze her eggs. So these are things that I feel we never discuss about how we approach fertility in our lives. We're always scared to not be fertile. That's another thing that I feel that women, until they give birth or get pregnant or something, it's like, oh my God, what if I'm not fertile, right? This is important for a woman. And all these things like are processes that I feel, we go to the gynecologist to be healthy, but do we actually talk to our gynecologist about fertility ever until we think of pregnancy? You know, That's a good point, Jessica, because you know, right now, when you go to your gynecologist and you're in your early 30s and whoever's listening and they fall into this, this, you know, this timeline, for example, the experiences that you're, you're going through, it's a simple question to ask your gynecologist as well, right? About that, about your own motherhood health, right? The the fertility health, especially if you, you plan on having children in the future, right? And just to question it so that you know your options. And that's what biohacking is all about is what is right for your your body, what's right for your mind, what's right for your cells, and what are my options right now so that I could really quote unquote hack it, 
right? And so that I can get what I want efficiently where I, where I want to be and optimize it. And so that's what you've done is you've really optimized fertility for yourself so that you have that option in the future. You still have the child, you know, and it's a just in case as well, because the eggs aren't fertilized. They're just eggs frozen. And so at any point you can either still bear child naturally without the, the the fertilization process of the egg, or, you know, you have the egg as a second, you know, just in case, which I think is great. It does take a lot of weight off your shoulder. It does. I mean, I, I have to say for me, this is like, okay, done. Bye. You know, the story is no longer buzzing in my head all the time. But, you know, I, I want to share this too. When I was 35 years old, my gynecologist who I went to and I asked, like, I want to freeze my eggs. I think it's time. He said to me, don't worry, you're fine. You don't need to do that. So I didn't. And, you know, now I sort of want to go back because I got five uh, viable eggs from this process. So probably I'm going to have to repeat a second process to have the amount of eggs that I actually want for this, right? which is fine. In my case, I can pay for it. So I'm not stressed about that. I would think if somebody doesn't have a lot of money, it's a very stressful situation. So those are also things to consider, but it makes me want to go back to the gynecologist and say, didn't you say I was fine? You know, like now I need to do this twice. (laughs) So, so five is not enough. Well, the thing is that the whole process of pregnancy, I mean, first of all, we don't know at what age I'm going to try to become pregnant if I do. So that'll have, that'll be a component that'll be very relevant. Secondly, not every oversight that gets the sperm is going to be viable either. So there will be, you, you always have to count a couple, three, four that are not going to be viable. So if you only have five, it's pretty tight. Also, even like do you just want to have one child? Because if you even want to have two, then this is really five is like not going to work. So those are all things that that you have to consider. I, I would like for me, because I don't mind to do it again. If the doctor thinks it's it's necessary, I'll do it again and just get another five. And it's also very interesting because this was something that I, I didn't understand very well. So let's talk about the process really quick, because I, I know that there was some heavy moments because there's a lot of hormones involved in in the process. And I, I know some of the listeners have gone through, you know, IVF procedures and uh, many women go through IVF procedures. And there's there's a similarity in hormone in the hormone injections that, that you had to go through in order to to produce the eggs and then extract the eggs as well. So let's talk about that. Well, you know, I think there's one part of my story that is very different from an IVF process. And I can, you know, think of how heavy it might be for a woman who's trying to get pregnant because I don't have the pressure of having to get pregnant, but doing this with the need of having a result that you really want to happen, plus a partner who you sort of want to give that, you know, which you were both trying to create together. I can see so much pressure on a woman there in a hormonal process where if I have to describe what happens, you become like a very sensitive person. And I mean sensitive in a good way. But I had nausea and dizziness. The nausea was gone after like two or three days of the injections. The dizziness, not really I, up until today. Like today's the first day that I don't feel it anymore. Those were two things like physical that were a little bit annoying. 
And then you're so sensitive, like everything makes you cry, but you're also sensitive in, in a way where you're like this very loving mama. You know, I feel like I was like super taking care of everybody around me and listening. And I'm like, what's this happening to me? And I really know that that those were the hormones, like I could tell. But I know that some people went through really like rough energies, like feeling very angry or upset. And what I asked myself is like, I'm in a very good point in my life right now. And I'm doing what I love. And I feel very connected with the people around me. But if you're not in that place, this is hard. Because, you know, you, you don't feel that that support or that strength in you. I did, for whoever's thinking about this, in case this helps, and it's a tip, I did a lot of mindfulness, like daily. This was really my go-to thing to just slow down and listen to my body and just be aware of what the hormones were doing to my body without resisting it and also realizing it. And that would help me every day to know, okay, you know, this is how I feel today. This is fine. And, you know, I talk to you, I really just express the way I feel like today. I just cry over everything or right now I'm angry. What can I do? You know, but mindfulness was my way to understand those emotions and that physical feeling without resisting it or feeling upset about it right now, because I just did the the puncture. This week is actually the heaviest because I feel super tired. I'm waiting for my cycle that should start this week. And I feel like bloated, like I've never felt. <laughs> I mean, you can see my eyes. It's, I, I feel very, very tired. It's, it's this really bad, bad cycle. Like you're really going to start your menstruation and you feel exhausted. This, these days, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, which were like, I, I did the function on, on Sunday. Uh, we're like, okay, let's do this. You know? I heard that the extraction process is fairly painful almost is it or is that another procedure involving infertility i've I've heard that they kind of bloat your your belly up and then they go in and then they they do the extraction that's exactly it so it's it's very simple it takes like 20 i mean it's 20 minutes it's super quick and of course they they give you propofol so that you don't know anything of what's going on and uh, when you wake up you don't have any pain but it's like four hours later or five hours later, you start feeling these, it's like in little injections in, in your ovaries that you really feel it. And then it gets very intense. And then after like, you know, six hours or so, like the following day, the pain is really gone. Like on Monday, I didn't feel any pain. I was just exhausted, like literally tired. But the process is extremely simple. It's, it's a very easy thing. So that is nothing to fear about that. And actually, I was very lucky because I had a very fun doctor who was going to do it that day. And he, he had music in the, in the room. So <laughs> I was listening to Madonna. And then he injected the propofol and I fell asleep. And that was it. So. <laughs> I woke up very happy and excited. <laughs> so how does the, the keep of the eggs? Mine is 196 degrees Celsius is the temperature that needs to be kept in. And they're kept because before the way that it was frozen, of course, this has been evolving and it's getting better and better. But now they're able to freeze it in a way where you can get the egg exactly how you froze it. Before, when you unfroze the egg, you would have some loss in the quality of the egg. And that's supposed to have changed completely. So that's pretty cool. 
Yeah. And so is there an upkeep, like maintenance fee that you have to pay every month as well for them to hold the eggs in the fruit, in the cryo chamber? Well, that depends on each country because not every country has the same laws and the same ways of doing this. So in, I know, I think in the U.S. it's the same. You can only keep the eggs maximum 10 years. That's the maximum you can keep them. So that's also to consider if you're going to freeze your eggs. Remember that if you're very young, then they're only going to keep them until a certain age. So that's why 35, 36 is the ideal age to do it because you're not going to have kids after 46 probably. <laughs> so that's one thing. In, at least in the U.S., there's a lot of people having children in their mid Oh, I totally now. believe in that. <laughs> so just because, you know, you, you, they think about, they, they, they have their, their entire life of career, you know, just career life. And then they just start family life later on. And then they go through the, the IVF. Um, a lot of people in their mid forties end up going through the IVF process, right? Um, so this is this is an additional. And if you think about it, it's great because the IVF process in your mid forties is eased by the fact that you have quality eggs as well. You know, if if you do it early enough, and so that's that's also a you know if if you can't naturally conceive, uh, at least you have this the option of having quality eggs from from in your mid 30s or your early 30s when you did it. So that's that's a good option to, to think about as well. Yeah, so that's the case for for the 10 years and then in my case I don't need to pay anything up to 5 years and from 5 years on I have to decide if I still want to keep them, then I need to pay a, another fee for those other 5 years. But I think in the US you pay per year. So, I mean, I've paid that in the amount that I pay when they freeze my eggs. So it really is all the same. It isn't really because I think Spain has a good price compared to other countries. That's why the clinic where I, where I did it is called the IVI. So it's the infertility clinic for Valencia and it's a reference in Europe. So it's probably the number one clinic, even worldwide for a long time, because they were the the very first ones to really work on this and, and had a lot of research done. So the good thing about that and, and what I like about this clinic is that it was such a reference that people from all over the world come and do the, the, their infertility processes with them. And the reason why I chose this clinic is because it's using the most advanced science all the time. So I know too that if there's an improvement, they'll do that immediately. Also, even when I want to use my eggs, if I use them in the future. So do consider those things, you know, when, when you look at clinics, like for me, it was very easy because when I worked with telomeres in the past, we worked with this clinic. So I knew this clinic very well. I knew they were at the top in, in Europe and it was the right place to do it. And it wasn't expensive compared to other countries. So it's really like a great place to do it. So if you're in Europe, you can consider coming to Spain, having a nice trip and doing your <laughs> freezing process in, in this clinic. And it's great. It gives you that peace of mind. Because when you look at other clinics, my question always is, what if the clinic closes? You know, what happens with my ex if the clinic closes, right? Which I think they'll have covered, obviously. But in this case, this is a whole institution that I doubt will close in 10 years. So are they housing? Yep. It's in the building right in front where where I froze, where they did the operation. And then they took it to the next building right there. It's a very interesting process too, because one of the things that people sometimes ask, right? Like, wow, if you freeze your eggs, does this mean that you're going to have like less fertility if you try to get pregnant the next month or the next year or something like that? And it actually is not true because the only thing that this is doing is that 
through the hormones, you're activating more ovocytes. Normally, only one ovocyte becomes viable, but you produce more during your cycle. So what you do here is you try to use all of them, all the ones that you produce instead of just one. So I think it's a very beautiful process that you can stimulate it through the hormones so that more than one come out of the fallopian trump. Do you call that in English? <laughs> Tube. Yes. <laughs> it's trump. And in Spanish, we call it the trump because it has the shape <laughs> of a trump from an elephant. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's, I mean, if you look at it from a biological perspective, it's a, it's a beautiful process. And, and the fact that you can do that in, into nature and create more fertility for me, it's like, I, I look at the spiritual side of it and it, it looks, um, it's fascinating that all of this exists. Right. So yeah, hacking fertility. I think that that's our next, uh, our next discovery will be, how do you hack your fertility? Yeah. All the, all the different ways, right. There's apps out there. There's nutraceuticals there's all different ways to quote-unquote hack to be to optimize fertility as well right and then so this one is preservation and extension of timeline for motherhood and by your extension of biological clock as well and then there is when it's time how do you optimize your body so that your body's primed to carry that child to produce the egg to fertilize the egg Right. And so there's all these concepts and options and ideas and and there's so much involved in the process itself. It's and that's why it's a miracle to even have a life, because we sit here and we think about the whole process itself and everything that it took in order for you to be sitting across from me and vice versa, you know, for both of us to be here. It's a lot. It's it's you know, it, it's almost the butterfly effect. One flap of the butterfly wing, and you and I wouldn't be sitting here, you know, if it was flapped in a different. <laughs> so the chances of us is it's it's a miracle to be here and to to be breathing. And so yeah, I mean, we had a conversation with a a doctor of Chinese medicine, where she, what she does is she really focuses on the female cycle because if your female cycle is off, then that's gonna that is you know, the pathway to all types of infertility issues later on. And so she, what she does is she wants, she focuses on balancing your hormones naturally, not just acupuncture, but through supplements and herbals and, and those type of things and to regulate the, the cycle so that when you're ready to, to have, you know, go into the next part of life, you're, you're primed for it. And so maybe yes ago, one day we can have that conversation on the podcast on priming your life for, for that egg. <laughs> I love it. And I think, you know, this is so important. I, I love this conversation. We're going to have to go now, but I do think that this is definitely something that we want to hear from you, wonder women out there who are listening to this podcast. How do you feel about this? What's your take on this? And share with us whatever goes through your mind, because we can try to create a second episode on this theme that'll be more targeted towards your needs and what your, you know, questions that we all have around this that we don't always have a space to talk about. So remember that we have a Facebook page that's called The Art of Becoming Wonder Women, and it's a private page. Just click on it and we will help you join our tribe and we'll love to hear from you. And for now, we got to go, Yemvi. Thank you so much for this beautiful space. <laughs> Thank you for sharing your story, Jessica. Have a wonderful day. You too. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Art of Becoming Wonder Women, the podcast. Thank you for being a part of our community. 
If you haven't yet, join our private Facebook page and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another Wonder Women conversation. Our podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any question you may have regarding a medical condition.